want to tell you about a great podcast called The Hilarious World of Depression that, guess what? I'm on it. I'm a guest on it. I believe this week. I believe in the episode that uh, they released this week. In each episode, John Moe sits down with some of the top names in entertainment, talks to them about their experiences with mental health in an honest, surprisingly funny way. Past guests have included uh, Peter Sagal, Andy Richter, Andrew Zimmern, and uh, now this guy. It's funny. It's moving. It's honest. I cried during my episode. I talked about uh, why I don't talk so much about depression in the public sphere anymore. It was interesting to sort it all out with John. He's doing a really good-hearted thing, and it's an entertaining podcast. Definitely give it a listen. Find the hilarious world of depression wherever you listen to podcasts. Cheryl Sandberg's nonprofit, Lean In, just launched a new podcast. It's called Tilted, and it explores the gender bias that lurks in unexpected places. It features intimate conversations with some of the world's most powerful women in Hollywood, sports, business, In the first few episodes, Sheryl Sandberg answers questions from men on work and sex and politicos discuss the women candidates who are running for office in unprecedented numbers this year. You can listen and subscribe to Tilted from Lean In wherever you get your podcasts. Hello to all my movie renters. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names. No holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Your old friend, Chris Gethard. Welcome here, the beautiful anonymous. Thanks again for uh, listening. It really means so much to me that I get to do this job. I say it all the time, and I mean it every time. I feel really lucky. I felt very lucky. Last week, uh, we put out uh, such a tense episode about such a a dark thing. It's someone who survived the mass shooting in Las Vegas, and it was open on us. And I have to say, I was was so... I felt so lucky to be a part of the uh, the beautiful anonymous Facebook community, which is over 30,000 people now. And you know, you always brace yourself with the internet for people to be at their worst. People were at their best what a beautiful caller and, and everybody, like just uh, grabbing a, a random comment from that, the discussion thread of that. Donnie said, I have never in my life heard so much grace and goodness come out of tragedy. I'm beyond thankful for beautiful people like this caller. We as a country are so blessed to have people like her. She's a good teacher. I'm, I know I'm going to appreciate more and do more random acts of kindness. I thought that was such a beautiful thing to come out of that call. Thank you, caller, again for calling. We're lucky to have that one. A couple quick plugs before we get into our show. Lose Well, my new book, it's available for pre-order right now. You could pre-order the book. You could pre-order the audiobook. You go to chrisgeth.com, and uh, there's all sorts of incentives there that you might want to check out. Thank you to everybody who's ordering the book. And at chrisgeth.com, you'll also see that I got a bunch of touring dates coming up. I'm going to do a, a live Beautiful Anonymous taping in Los Angeles, stand-up in Los Angeles, Oakland. We got Portland. We got Boston. Check them out. Now this week's call. This caller I found very inspiring, honestly. Um, She's young, but she's been through a lot. She's lived a whole life. And I have to say, I want to be clear right away. This caller is getting out of a marriage. You'll hear more about that. I was really impressed by her. And I believe in marriage. I don't want people to feel like I was was discouraging that in any way. But I just felt like this is someone who realizes that there's a whole life ahead of them and who is who is realizing that maybe there's still a window to go out there and live a little bit more of life than she's been able to thus far. Maybe let some of the demons from the past go. This one, I really, I tell you, as soon as we hung up the phone, I was inspired and wide awake. And I wonder what you guys will think. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. 
Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Holy fuck. Hello? <laughs> Hi. Is this, am I, is this, you know? <laughs> this, this is Chris. This is Chris speaking. I never dreamed I would get through. <laughs> well, everything's finally happening. How are you? I can't complain, I guess. I'm all right. That's good. How are you? How am I? I'm, you know what? I'm good. I'm just going to go ahead with I'm good. I feel like I might be getting a little bit of a cold, but I'm doing my damnedest to fight it off. That's how I'm doing. Oh, no. That's never good. Hey, it's the changing of the seasons. What's going on there? What is going on where you are? I am at work. I am laying them down for nap time because you called so I can <laughs> run outside what? and have some quiet for a minute. And- Wait. I'm putting my babies. I work at a daycare, oh, and I'm in the baby room, so I have four babies to myself. You have four. Now, should you be on the phone for an hour? Because I'm putting them down for nap. What if they wake up? They sleep for about two and a half hours. Oh, they do. That's cool. They how, do. How old we are, are these? We are very scheduled. How old are these kids? Um, I've got three one-year-olds. No, actually, four one-year-olds. The other one just turned one. Hey, congratulations. That's a good milestone, one. I know they're they're fun. They care they're wild, though, let me tell you. Now, one-year-olds, where are they at? They run around, they babble, but they don't quite talk, right? <laughs> they're naughty is what they are. They pull each other's hair. <laughs> they're just kind of buttheads. They're buttheads. One-year-olds are buttheads. <laughs> I don't know how comfortable I feel that there's screaming children in the background. There are so many screaming children. Babies are down, so. Oh, so the screaming children are not under your direct care? No, they are out in the other room. Okay, so I don't have to worry about this vision in my head that you're off in a corner on the phone while the kids are running roughshod in like a Lord of the Flies-like scenario. (laughs) I'm not the only one this year. Great. Great. I can let out a deep breath and relax. That's where I need to, man. My life is kind of uprooted. I uprooted my own life, kind of, and just kind of starting over. What's that mean? Well, I always think I was always, I listen to your podcast all the time. Like, that's just what I do. Every time I have a free minute, I have it on. And I'm always like, wow, if I ever got on this, I'm going to tell him my whole shit show of a story. And then I'm like, oh, people are probably going to be like, wow. This is stupid. <laughs> and no one cares. <laughs> but I am, I'm in my mid-20s. You know, I can say that, right? I'm still anonymous. <laughs> yeah, say whatever you want. And I got, I've been, I was with the same guy since I was almost 18. And we got married and were together for, you know, six, seven, almost seven years. And it was just kind of the way things happened, and I decided that I wasn't happy anymore. And I just kind of told him that I didn't want it, and it was life's been kind of rough since. <laughs> wow. So wait, when you say yeah. mid, mid-20s, 
how uh, how old are you exactly? I am almost 25. You're almost 25. And you were married for six years or together for six years? No, I was together for six years. We were married for two. Married for two. Wow, you went for it young. By modern I standards. Know. And like, yes, I know. And I didn't want it. I never thought I would get married. Not in my wildest dreams. I had no intentions of marrying anybody. How'd it go down then? Well, you know, like, he proposed, and, you know, every part of me was like, don't do it. But then I was like, well, I don't know. You know, you can be engaged forever. I could wear that ring and be engaged for the next 40 years if I wanted to. And then, (laughs) you know, you just pressures of everyone, and, you know, you just kind of do what you think you're supposed to do, I guess. And I just kind of, he wanted to go in and get married. So after six months of being engaged... We went to the courthouse and just got married. So you knew, you knew this was a bad idea. I knew this was a bad idea. Never wanted it. Never, never dreamed of it. Can I ask, uh, do you come from a religious background? No, not at all. So this is not a cultural thing where there was pressure on you to marry? Not to, not to write it off no. and say the only people who marry young are religious, but in some <laughs> religious cultures. No, but it's it is a very a religious more... thing. I mean, yeah. to me, like, marriage has to do with religion. People get married for that. You know, they're usually Christians, or they're this, or they're that, or they're whatever. That's what, yeah. I have no religious affiliations. Not to, uh... I am... I'm not atheist. I just... Yeah. What did your folks think? What did your family think about all this? Well, I really don't have a whole lot of a family. My dad kind of wrote us all off, and... When they got divorced and my mom, I mean, I get along all right with my mom, but she's not really, she's just kind of like, you know, whatever, do what you got to do. She told me that she wishes that when she was my age, she would have left my dad at that time. Mm -hmm. What about friends? Had you opened up to any friends and said, I think I'm heading down a a path, an unwanted path? When I graduated high school... All of my friends left the state for school. I had like six, like it was a group of six of us girls that were all really close and they all left the state and not just like a border state, like across the state. I'm from middle of the map. So Midwest and everyone left, which I always wanted to do. But then I was with this guy and I thought, oh, well, I'm stuck here now because I'm dumb. (laughs) Oh, no. Wow. So, yeah. That's fascinating. You're sitting here saying, I think people are going to be like, whatever, this story's dumb. This is a, it's more than we've ever gotten in the first seven minutes of the show, maybe ever. This is a fascinating story. You know, I story. feel like I, I've had a lot of time to think that I'm like, if I talk to Chris, what am I going to tell him? And I'm like, I want to talk to somebody because everyone around here, you know, is all judging the whole situation and acting like they know everything. Mhm. Mhm. Like in the aftermath you know, in the aftermath the, of the divorce, people are holding it over your head. Well, we're actually like this is pretty recent. We're just kind of separated right now. Um Oh, so you're not this even was a divorced. couple months ago. No, we are not. I haven't even like gone in to file or do whatever you have to do because I don't really know how to go about it. <laughs> wow. And people are yeah. people are riding you on this one. People are mad. Well, it's more of, you know, the conversation we had. Okay, so 
like four years ago, we had had a conversation and I was like, you know, things don't change. And it wasn't even exactly like, like no one cheated. No one. I mean, there wasn't anything that like anyone did wrong. It was just a simple fact of like, I was not happy and it was not what I wanted and things weren't going where I wanted them to. Yeah. Simple as that. And we had talked about it and I told him and I was like, you know, things don't really change. Like, I don't really see this going anywhere and we should just call it quits. And that was four years ago. So, you know, we've been together for a couple of years. We already lived together. We were kind of forced into living together. By whom? And, um, just because I didn't have, I didn't have a place to go to call home. And yeah. I ended up moving in with him and his mom. And, uh, then I was in college, and once we finished that, we got a place, a little rented, a little place, and because you know we couldn't afford to live on our own. Yeah, on our own. Is that even a word? On our own, and it just kind of escalated from there. You know, you did what you're supposed to do in a relationship, right? So you didn't have a stable family. All your friends are gone. No. You got no place to live. Yeah. You wind up with the boyfriend. You feel a little obligated. Can I ask? I'll ask a sensitive question if that's okay. How was your, uh, how was your self-esteem growing up? Um, not great. I didn't have the best upbringing, and I was a very quiet, introverted, didn't like to deal with people type kid. My home life was just kind of shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know other people have it worse, but everyone's got their own it was shit type thing, you know? Yeah. So you just came from a very unstable place, and this seemed stable, and it seemed like what people do, and you just kind of yep. you just kind of fell into it. I just kind of went with it, yep. Damn. And then, you know, once you get to the courthouse, and you're doing everything, well, then, you know, my mom was, was there, his mom was there, his grandma was there. I'm actually a nanny. And I had, I was working that day, so I had my kids, the nanny kids, with me. <laughs> While and you then did. their grandma showed up, and then their great uncle was the guy, some guy, and that was there. And I was like, "Wow, I can't back out now. What do I do?" This was while you got married. Yeah, we just did a little courthouse, signed some papers. You were nanny, <laughs> you were nannying, and and had to bring the kids with you. <laughs> yes. So were you technically being were you technically being paid hourly wages while you got married? <laughs> I was. <laughs> How much are you making for the nannying gig back then? Uh, about fifteen an hour. So you're getting married on the clock, fifteen an hour. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm a Jersey guy, so I'm I'm prone to compare things to a Springsteen song. But since you're in the middle of the Midwest, I'm gonna say this sounds like a John Cougar Mellencamp song. <laughs> Yeah. Damn. And the whole time you're sitting there going, hit the brakes. When are you going to hit the brakes? And you just never do it. Yep. I never did it. And I just kept thinking, oh, man, like, what do you say? What do you do? What are people? I mean, you know, how do you stop it once you've already put that in motion so far? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, we've been together for four years, almost five. That's, yeah, but th- even that's not that long. Every, you know, little milestone that you hit, I mean, 18, 19, 21, <laughs> 23. Yeah. 
I tell I mean, you guys moved fast, mm-hmm. and that's coming from a guy who got engaged after dating his wife for nine months. Wow. See, but I, I would, people always say if you know, you know, but I mean, I always questioned, so, yeah. you know, maybe it was just You're not funny. my person. See, for me, I was 32 years old, had some life experience, and then I also was like, this is like, uh, this is just pure magic, this one. Just hitting the ground running, it's pure <laughs> magic right out of the gate. I was just swept away. I was just swept away, staying out, dancing all night, feeling like, man, this is uh, this is right. Whereas you're going, I've been with this person a long time. If I look and do some deep soul searching, I have to admit some of that was just to have a place to live. What am I doing? What am I doing? And to have have a person who, I mean, yeah. we kind of came from similar backgrounds and it was just, you know, kind of hard on both of us growing up and someone that can relate yeah. to what you went through and the things you experienced. and But that's not love. That's not necessarily love in that romantic sense. No. And that's the thing is like, yeah, he's my best friend. Like even now the hardest part is not being able to just be like, you know, hey, so-and-so dropped an album last night. Like, you know, just... Yeah. We talking about Eminem, that's MGK? That's the hardest part. Eminem and, and, and <laughs> MGK. That's, that's the, that's oh, the that talk of the town. That's crazy. That's t- talk of the town on the week that you and I are taping. Definitely, yes. And it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, I'm a fan of both. I grew up on Eminem. <laughs> I fell in love with MGK. I went to a concert back in 2012. And I'm just like, these boys, what are they doing? I have to say. But I, at the same time, for it. Yeah. At the like same time. a lot of the rap game today is all these stupid people. And, oh, I'm going to have so-and-so shoot you up in the background. You know, like there's all this background noise where these guys are just taking it to the track. Like rap battles used to be. Hello? It's funny. It's entertaining. I tell you At least what, nobody's shooting anybody and threatening their lives. I, I feel <laughs> like when this call started with you putting four one-year-old babies to sleep, no one would have ever predicted that 15 <laughs> minutes later you'd be going, the modern-day rap game, a lot of these guys out on the track. <laughs> I know. I know it. <laughs> I'm... I'm just kind of all over the place, you know? Let me ask you. I like to keep things interesting. Absolutely. Let me ask you a simple question. You say you've been separated a few months from this marriage you never felt right about deep in your guts. How are you feeling since the separation? A lot happier. I feel very free. Well, that's that. It was kind of it was kind of weird at first, like coming home to like an empty house, but it was also like really kind of liberating like I'm on my own I'm doing this I can do this by myself I've always been a very like I don't need anybody else because I've never had anybody else yeah growing up I mean I raised myself for the most part so it was just kind of nice to be my own again to figure out what I am and what I want I feel like I built my life around this person and who they were and we like what I thought I had to be for them. Yeah. I dated someone for eight years once and we had to have that conversation. You know, she didn't want to move in with me after eight years. And I was like, what's up with that? That's, we're getting older. You got to give it a chance. Yeah. And, and I mean, I pulled my own shit in that relationship for sure. But I remember it finally came down to having to have a conversation where I was like, you know, we are best friends and that is beautiful. And that's also it. That's also the end of the line as yeah. far as what we are. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I tell I you, I needed to have that conversation a long I, time ago. I know. I'm and not. And not after we get married. 
<laughs> I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I'm telling talking to you makes me really glad that I had that conversation. Yeah, I bet. It's hard though, isn't it? It's brutal. And and she hasn't talked to me in six years. And that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. That's a person yeah, who has yeah. a lot of that's life what experience. I'm so with. afraid of. And but I think that's what I was always so afraid of is I was holding on to that friendship and I don't want that friendship to leave. But the relationship part, like there came to the point where like I, someone would come into my life and I would want to be like, talk, like, you know, I mean, I never, never affair, never anything, but like, you know, it's like opportunity presented itself. I'd be like, man, I really was into that guy. He was kind of, and I'd want to go home and tell him about it. Yeah. Well, you're, cause you're 23 years because old. He was my best friend. Yeah. Yes. He's it your was like best that friend. best friend part of it where you want to talk to him about it and be like, yeah, I met this awesome person and <laughs> you want to tell him about it. But then I'm like, oh wait, I can't because you're supposed to be that person for me. Yeah. You got these, you got the, the raging hormones of someone in their early twenties. You got this best friend sitting at home. You're meeting some hot dude with great abs out at the bar. <laughs> Pretty looks, much. He's got a, he looks like he could be a cast member of True Blood. He's got a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey in his bag. You're like, what's the deal here? But you can't. There you go. And, oh, man, I hate to say it, but sex life has a lot to do with a relationship. Of course. Of course it does. Of course it does. A lot. I mean, if it's if it's not good and you're not into it, man, just don't don't do it. I tell all my friends all the time now. I'm like, if that's the problem, don't talk about it. Address it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You and I have some stuff in common. Been down some similar roads. I've never I've never gone as far to I took an I, I took some exit ramps when you kept going down the road. Can I tell? Can yep. I? Here's the thing. Can I tell? Because we were talking about I was telling you how my ex doesn't speak to me and hasn't in over half a decade, and you were saying that's what I'm so scared yeah. of. Can I give you? Can I give you just one thought from the perspective of someone who's been through that? Please do. All yours. He might not ever talk to you again. He might even hate you. I know. And that sucks. I know. It sucks, but it's also okay. You know. It's okay. I know. I yeah. can't imagine well, anyone gets... It sucks, but it's like, I don't know. I can't imagine too many people get through life without at least one or two people hating them. Oh, I'm... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's some people who hate me for sure. Oh, yeah. Everyone's got people that just hate them. Some people don't even have a reason. Oh, I thought you were going to say, oh, yeah, a lot of people hate you, Chris Gethard. And I was oh, uh, yeah, had a moment of panic. Oh, yeah, they all <laughs> oh god i'm gonna choose to believe that when my uh anxiety issues kick in i'm gonna hear that i'm looping my head you saying that it's gonna be trying to fall asleep at night and i'm just gonna hear your slight midwestern accent go oh yeah a lot of people hate you and i'm just gonna spring awake i'm gonna have to go sit on the couch with my head in my hands you know what oh, i do when i can't fall it. asleep now and I'm not trying to throw shade because I love it. I love this podcast. I go and listen to that old uh, History of Rome podcast. I like that show. It's like interesting for 10 minutes and then it puts me right out. I love it. It's great. <laughs> I highly recommend it to people. Can I ask I mean, you? I need something, anything to get me to sleep. Now, can I ask you a question that might be a little too personal? And if it is, just tell me, hey, Gethard, I don't want to go there. I'm a nice Midwestern girl. I am an open book. You can ask me anything. I'm going to ask a personal question. You know what they call that? Cliffhanger. 
What will the personal question be? You're going to have to keep listening to find out. In the meantime, we got ads. Check them out. Use the promo codes if you're so inclined. It really helps the show when you do. We'll be back soon with more phone calls. These days, you can get almost everything on demand, right? I know most of my entertainment is consumed on demand. You right now, you're listening to this podcast. You're listening whenever you feel like it, when it's convenient for you. So why are you still taking trips to the post office when you can get postage on demand at stamps.com? Stamps.com can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package using your own computer and printer. And the mail carrier picks it up. You just click print, mail, and you're done. It couldn't be easier. I've used stamps.com many times. I've found that it is a tremendous time-saving service, and I think a lot of us would agree. Time is an asset more than we think about, and uh, stamps.com just eliminates uh, your need to have to even worry about it. They just help you out right from the comfort of your own home. I have found in my personal experience a massive time saver. It's really cool. Right now, use the code BEAUTIFUL for this special offer, up to $55 free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BEAUTIFUL. That's Stamps.com. Enter BEAUTIFUL. Look, you got a ton of job sites out there that send you the wrong resumes to sort through, or they make you wait for the right candidates to apply to your job. It's not smart. It's not a smart way to do things. But you know what is smart? going to ziprecruiter.com slash beautiful to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive website, ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thanks to everybody who advertises on Beautiful Honest and helps us bring this show to the world for free. Now let's get back to the phone call. Now, can I ask you a question that might be a little too personal? And if it is, just tell me, hey, get there. I don't want to go there. I'm a nice Midwestern girl. I am an open book. You can ask me anything. You were mentioning sex life was a little underwhelming. You've been single a few months or separated at the very least for a few months. Have you explored the sex life since the separation or are you not there yet? I have. How's that been? It was wonderful. (laughs) I was missing out. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Wow, that's good. Yeah. What was it? Somebody who you've had a crush on for a while or uh, just a fling? You just went out, had a couple shots and said, I'm going to get it over with tonight's Uh night? It was somebody who, they're quite a bit younger than me, and I've known them for a while, and just kind of, the tension was always kind of there. Quite a bit. And younger. You're only 25. Happened, and I needed someone to talk. Wait, t- I am 25. How can, so, uh, who's quite a bit younger than you? Not quite a bit. Not, I'm not like some, you know, but like. You're not committing a crime. Um, how many years? 
No, God, no, definitely not. <laughs> Is four your number than me? Four. Okay, that's yeah. Well, I. I, I'm going to sound like a very old man right now, but I guess when you're tw- when you're 25, four years younger is a lot longer. It's younger. younger. Yeah. There's mm. a big maturity gap there. Yeah. Sometimes. I shouldn't say that about everything because age doesn't determine your maturity or anything. No, it's not more experiences, but Not necessarily. But as long he as... needed to do some maturing still, but it was, it was fun. It's fun. As long as you had fun. I need to have some fun. I think that's good to know about yourself, that it's time for some fun. What do you usually do during nap time? I imagine it's not this. It's not. Hard. No, I actually, a lot of times I listen to your podcast because I discovered it about a year ago. And I usually listen to about one a day and nap time. I usually plug one on and start and then they all got archived and I couldn't listen to most of them. I mean, I'm because with, I didn't pay for whatever I'll yet. Bite so my tongue. I'll bite my tongue on that, so as to not get in trouble with my co- <laughs> my corporate masters. I will bite my tongue on how that all went down. <laughs> <laughs> so I missed a few, and I was very upset because I didn't get to hear. Was it the second part of what is it? Ron Paul's baby was that the first episode? Yeah, yeah, it was. And I didn't get to hear the next one. I missed it. Did you hear the? But I need to just break did, down and pay and. Did you hear the third more. one? Did you hear the third catch up with Ron Paul's baby? Yes, I did. Yeah. I well, t- I'm missing. I'm have a hole in the middle. I will tell you, most people do rank them one, three, two. I do think people. The one you oh, missed is the well, one. I'm not trying to discourage you from subscribing to Stitcher Premium. I will tell you, the second one <laughs> is the one I think people maybe uh, put lowest. But who cares? Who's ranking them? Who's ranking them? <laughs> now. Do you still have these dreams of getting out of your Midwestern town? Like you said you used to before college. I have nothing I have nothing holding me here, but I also don't really have a good reason to go. Do you want to go? So I don't know. I mean, I've got some options. I've got friends in other states and ooh, excuse me. Um That's okay. I just don't I don't know. I'm actually I mean, I can say this now because I don't live there anymore, but I was Right. I was spent a few years in Arizona as a kid. Mm-hmm. Arizona. Um, I was just there, and I always thought I would end up back there. It's a good place. It's always a thought hot I'd end up place. back there. Hot place. You got to check your shoes for scorpions, though. I, I can't. I will. I can't. I know, and that freaks me out. I know that is a deal breaker <laughs> for me. Much love to Arizona. I love doing shows in Tempe, but I don't think I'll ever be able to live in a place where you have to check your shoes for scorpions. That's a deal breaker for me. Just gonna be honest, right there. I'm actually, okay, I have cold urticaria, which I'm allergic to the cold. It was a lot worse when I was younger, but um, I've kind of grown out of it a little bit. But okay. so anywhere warm all the time sounds a lot better than the winters I experience <laughs> here. Man, I'm feeling, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling like uh, that one scene in Goodwill Hunting right now. I'm feeling like I just rewatched that on the plane. And it's reminded me of that one scene that made me cry on the plane. How about that? A 38-year-old man on a plane crying at Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> crying. How about that? Yeah, like the person. I don't even think I've ever seen that. Should <laughs> but, I admit that out loud? Because oh, I you just might did. Be, everyone listening. It's a weird thing. It's if it's Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon, they wrote it. I think it, it's funny. It kind of exploded instantly and then sort of became a cultural, it became like a thing that was fun to make fun of I think a lot of people 
as uh, Affleck and Damon blew up. And then you rewatch it now and you're like, nah, it's, I mean, it's not perfect, but it's pretty great. It won Oscars for a reason. And I tell you, you might be at a place in your life. I think everyone listening might agree. You might be at a place in your life where uh, now is the perfect window for you to watch Goodwill Hunting for the first time. I will keep that in mind. I'll have to go rent it. I don't know if you want me to spoil that scene in question for you or if you're going to rent it. Oh, you rent it. You rent your movies. I didn't realize in the Midwest that... I do. You do. You go to a store and you rent movies? I do. I like to. I don't like the whole... I don't know. I like just discs. I still buy everything on CD. Where do you even (laughs) go? Where do you even go these days to rent a movie? I thought all the blockbusters were closed. might be one in Alaska. We have family videos. Family videos. Is what they're called. Look at that. Family video. And a lot of movies are like a dollar for five nights. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. And they've got like pizza places connected to them. So you get some pizza Ooh. and a movie and out Ooh. you go. Ooh. Who knew? I'm here living that <laughs> I'm here living that fast-paced New York City life where we don't have uh, $1 videos five nights. We're all downloading them on iTunes. Yeah. Watching them in our virtual reality helmets. You've never been to New York. <laughs> I haven't. I it's on my list. I've got a list, and I've made quite a few. But that was the thing too: is I did them with my husband. We traveled. Well, not like traveled. Traveled because we're broke, and you know we just did what we could when we could. I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you something from the heart. I'll tell you something from the heart right now. I'm not trying to discourage people to. Uh, you know, if there are people in marriages and the marriage is under strain, the last thing I'm trying to do is say, uh, yeah, bail on your marriage. That's not an easy thing to say. I will say that it sounds like you knew from the start this was a bad idea. You had a background where it maybe was easy for you to slide into it. And uh, I will tell you that in this specific case, just talking to you now, and I don't know all the details. And who knows, who knows other people's side of the story? But I can just say from what I've heard, you're young, you're still young. You always knew that this was going to close more doors than it opened for you. It's pretty beautiful yep. that you got out of it. And you got a whole fucking life ahead of you. Sorry, Sally. You but know, that is that beautiful. Is so good to hear someone say to me. <laughs> That's beautiful. You've never been. You're 25. You've always, you've, have you always wanted to see New York? Yes. I want, I want to go everywhere. I want to see every state at least is where I want to start. I'm actually, I've never been on an airplane. I'm terrified of airplanes. I've been on a helicopter. Helicopters are 150 times scarier than airplanes. I've been on both. See, I thought it was so exhilarating. It was so fun. And we went out, out over the ocean on a helicopter. It was the first time I've ever flown. And I'm over here like, I'm ter- terrified of airplanes. <laughs> to be fair, when I was in a helicopter, we were doing a bit for the Chris Gethard show where I ate a pot cookie for the first time in half a decade. That might have been, I might have been more terrified because of that state of mind than the actual helicopter. The helicopter ride to Massachusetts was actually quite when pleasant. When the edible kicked in. When the edible kicked in, it became the scariest experience of my life. But I, it's actually, yeah, I disparage helicopters. Whatever was happening then would have been the scariest experience of my life. <laughs> Where were you over the ocean? Where did oh, you go? Where... Um, in South Carolina, out over Myrtle Beach. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff you get to see. There's all sorts of stuff that you get to experience that you maybe convinced yourself you weren't going to. And I really hope... It's funny. It's yeah. funny. You know, in, in the wake of a situation that I'm sure um, is both exciting but but deeply painful, I do hope 
Yeah. I do hope you give yourself a chance to uh, let the stress and guilt of it go and go out and see the goddamn world. You know, I'm very, and a lot of people think I'm very, like, heartless because I don't have emotional attachments. And so it's it's hard to explain to people things like that. When you grow up and you don't have much, you're not worried about getting attached to things, right? Exactly. And you learned, I learned very young not to get attached to things because everything can go and leave and change and be done. You sound like the perfect person who's built to just get in a car and start driving and see what happens. I have always, just feel like, I want, I want someone to come with me. <laughs> just not like a, not like a friend, just somebody just to sit in my passenger seat and just drive somewhere and just go and see where the road takes us. Thelma and Louise. <laughs> yeah. A little yeah. adventure. So you've rented that one from the family video before. <laughs> I rented that one from my mom's house. <laughs> from your mom's. Okay, good. You got, so you got that reference. You got one of the references. That's good. That's good. That's a classic. I don't even know if you'd have to see that to even know what that means. <laughs> you just see the images in your mind. You can see it. Everybody can see it. The open road lays in front of you, both literally in the seeing every state sense and metaphorically in the open road of life. Yep. How long you've been so working what else at the? Do you want to know? Do you have any other questions? How long you've been working at the daycare? <laughs> I started here when I was a teenager. And then I went off to college, and I went for early childhood. And I, did, I didn't I did get a degree in it because I didn't want to teach, but I've always wanted to work with kids. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I know what I want to do now, but it's a lot of obstacles in my way to get there. What is it? But I, went, I have a diploma in early childhood education. What do you want to do? That's so hard and to get to. I want to, I think, I want to do some sort of social work. I want to help kids that didn't get the help that I probably would have needed as a kid. And I don't want them to experience a lot of the things or be put in the place that I was. That's beautiful. And I want to feel like I can get them out. I tell you, I noticed, I forget exactly which episode it was, but I remember there was a... uh... In our Facebook group, there was a comment thread where I realized that there's a lot of social workers who listen to this show, and I'm not sure exactly why it clicks in that uh, in that in that it, culture. But I it's like listening. Really cool. I listen to every episode. I know some of them. They're like, "Oh, this is kind of a boring one," and you're you know they'll be like, "Listeners are okay. not listening now," and I'm always like, "Why? Why?" I love hearing <laughs> other people's stories and their lives and their experiences and things they've been through and who they've become because of it. Well, thanks. I mean, I mostly make those self-deprecating jokes because deep down I'm still trying to shake off a lifetime of self-doubt issues and low self-esteem. <laughs> I think we all know that, though. Everybody's li- If you've listened to all of them, everybody knows that. But this guy <laughs> has some problems. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's, I mean, you, you are who you are because of them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Not everybody can just be like, talk to me for an hour about your shitty life. Or your great lives. Some people, some like some people have great lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tell you, 
I think some of the stuff you're going through in this phase of your life is going to inform you down the line. And you sound like a very uh, positive, good-hearted person, so I'm sure that it's going to do the same. I try to be. I'm a laugher. I'm a laugh-in-every-situation type person, which is good and bad sometimes. (laughs) But, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta. You gotta. I remember remember my uh, mom, she once uh, sent me this letter. Oh, God. I'm starting to get sad. Not sad, like choking up. She sent me this letter at a, it was like a, a, a it was when we, when we uh, first managed to sell my TV show to cable when we got off public access. And this is weird. I've never told her this. So if she's listening, this will be weird for her to hear. But uh, you get, you know, you get a handwritten letter from your mom in the mail in this era of, of you know, it's in the 20, what was it? 2015 back then, 2016. It's like, what's this? And I opened it up and the letter had a lot of things in it. But I remember one of the things she put in there, she said, you know, I've always, uh, you've talked a lot about some of your, your struggles and your depression. And you've talked about some of the stuff that happened in your childhood in the course of that. And I've always felt a little, uh, guilty about that, but I see who it's turned you into now. And you've, uh, you've kind of made an effort to use your work to help other people, make other people happy and it's hard for me to regret yeah. it. It's hard for me to regret it when I see what you're doing. That was a crazy letter to receive. So the idea that I you, bet the idea I was that like, I'm sorry it was shitty, but at the same time, I made you who you are. Yeah, I mean, it was. I wouldn't say she. Uh, it was funny. My house. I don't know. I don't want to make it about me, but I want to be clear. I, I did not have the hardest. I did not have the hardest life. I had a very stable home, and I think that's what got me through some of the harder stuff. It was more some of the stuff I dealt with at school, and. Uh, with the, uh, you know, just the kind of chaos of being a nerdy kid in northern New Jersey in the 80s in a, in a town, where, <laughs> town where maybe some of the kids had unstable homes and a lot of anger and bullying yes. and whatnot. But uh, hearing you say that you want to take some of your past traumas and see if you can't help use those to uh, provide a safety net for people who are coming up after you, I think that's one of the most commendable things you can do with your life. That's, I mean, it's hard to get into that at where I'm at now because to go back to school and be able to work full time and work two jobs and figure out how to pay for it and to get back and to find the time for it. I know it sounds like such a piss poor excuse, but no, it's hard. Yeah, it is. When you got real life happening, it's tough. Yeah. But I hope you get there. Life happens fast. <laughs> I hope you get there because it sounds like you'll be a, you'll have a lot to offer. I I hope I hope I have something that I can do and be there for somebody who needs it, help them out, get them out. I always there's this quote. I have no idea who said it, but it says, "Be who you needed when you were younger." Yeah. And that's something I just I've always kind of tried to live to. I needed an overly sensitive emo man in his late 30s, apparently, because that's what I've become. (laughs) That's what I've become. I don't want any awkward silences, and then I I start to panic. I panic. Why? (laughs) I think of something else to talk about. My silence. There's so much more to talk about, but how do you bring it up? Where do you start? What's so wrong with awkward silences? I personally enjoy a good awkward silence. 
mean, that's just me. But hey, if you don't like an awkward silence, I know the perfect way to fill an awkward silence with ads, advertisements. We'll be right back. Using thousands of real women's measurements, Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape in mind so that they fit impeccably and feel even better. And now, since adding 24 new sizes, Third Love offers the most options of any brand, a total of 70 sizes. Find your fit in 60 seconds online. Order and try on at home with Third Love's Fit Finder Quiz. It's fun, takes less than a minute. You don't have any of those awkward fitting room experiences. It's hands down the most comfortable bra you're ever gonna own. The labels are even tagless, by the way, so you don't get all those, all that itching on the tags. That's good. And also returns and exchanges are free and easy, right? Because Third Love is above board. My wife has ordered from Third Love, and she loved the experience. She got to go on there. It was simple. It was easy. It got there. She found the customer service really great. She found, she, I remember she always said the detailing on the straps was above and beyond. She liked it. My wife has a good taste. You guys know that. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash beautiful right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash beautiful for 15% off today. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now let's finish off the phone call. That's what I've become. I don't want any awkward silences, and then I, I start to panic. I panic. Why? <laughs> I think of something else to talk about. My and silence. I have so much more to talk about, but how do you bring it up? Where do you start? To bring up whatever you want to bring up. And I'm okay with the silences with you because I feel like the silences are born out of me thinking hard about some of the things you say. Like when you said life happens fast. I'm sitting there turning that in my head going, man, it does. It does. But then it also, does. But then it's also I, so long. It, it, see, yeah. Okay. I had to grow up very fast. Yeah. And so I've always felt a lot older than I am. And things are really hitting me like you are only 25. You've yeah. got 10 years yet if you wanted to still have kids if you decide you want them. And I keep trying to convince myself that I'm like, people have kids when they're 40. Yeah. <laughs> you have so many <sighs> fun mistakes you can still go out there and make. Yeah, and like I've always felt like I can't, like I, I'm, I can't do that. I've got to have my shit together all the time. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like historically that's been true, but maybe, just maybe, you can let your guard down. And while you're still twenty five, I've got you're still a really 20- good friend who. Oh, go for it! Really good friend who what? She's twenty. She's the same age as me. Oh, she's a little bit younger, but I've been friends with her for. Um, like 20 years and we've been we reconnected recently to where we're together a lot and she knew kind of everything that was going on and she's really the only one that knew and what has been that kind of there for me through it all and we've been adventuring Oh, that's nice. And just getting ourselves into some dumb situations. <laughs> What's and... that mean? What are these dumb situations in this adventure? Well, not dumb situations, but I, like I love one night we ended situation. up just driving around and we were out in the country and there was a pivot on the road and we ended up just on top of this pivot at like 3 a.m. <laughs> Wait, what's a pivot? I feel like this is a regional difference. Like the irrigation, the irrigation systems in a cornfield. 
Oh yeah, no, I grew up in the Northeast. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I'm in I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't grow up around cornfields, but oh, so you got country. You, you wound up on a pivot. I wound up on a pivot. Look one up. <laughs> we were very very high, not high high, but high up in the air. <laughs> oh, got it, got it, got it. So you're going around acting like kids. Yes, and it's like I never I never got to do that. And so just these stupid little things that people are like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, you know, I don't know, but the memory of it is so fun. That's good. You get to have some of those memories now because you didn't have them back then. Yep. Now you, yep. you get to go out late. You get to stay out dancing. You get to close down the bar. You get to make some, <laughs> you get to sleep with some regrettable people. You have to Good sex, yeah. you have some bad sex, you think about the mistakes you made, the triumphs you had, you stay out late, you you stay out until the goddamn sun comes up, and you wind up at some greasy yeah. spoon diner, eating overcooked eggs, <laughs> handed to you by some waitress who's got a, who's got calloused hands from decades of hard work, and some cook who probably just got out of, got out of jail a couple of years ago, and now he's trying to build things back up, because goddammit, you're living... A life out in the Midwest. Yes. You live in that cornfield life. That is, yep, that is what I've been doing. That's awesome. <laughs> to a T. Some of that was very accurate and relatable. <laughs> now, are you, uh, can I ask, are you in Iowa? No. Nebraska? Yes. Yeah. Because Midwest, it's funny, I think a lot of us on the East Coast forget that Iowa and Nebraska are part of the Midwest. We think Chicago, and yeah, we I think know. Minneapolis. I know everyone. I think that too. But like to me, Midwest is Nebraska. Yeah, is Kansas technically the Midwest or no? no. I think so. I think Maybe. it's like Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, Missouri. Yeah, where there's cornfields and farms, and people still walk long <laughs> distances. <Cornfield>, yes, <laughs> and where people Cows and on where every corner, <laughs> and where in high school wrestling is bigger than football, right? Or as big, maybe. Who yes. knows? Everybody wrestles. Yep. People like wrestling. Everybody wrestles. Yeah. Interesting sport. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I wish I wrestled. I wish I wrestled in high school. I would have won because I was so small. I was such a prepubescent late bloomer. Nobody, no other teams would have had someone in my weight class. I would have been yeah, I probably weighed like, like undefeated, but you didn't even have to work for it. I would have been the New Jersey <laughs> State champion. I fought two matches the whole year. <laughs> Because uh, I, was, I didn't go through puberty until I was like at the end of my junior year of high school. <laughs> oh man! Well, what else? You said you had other things you wanted to talk about, but you didn't know how to bring them up. So now I'm opening the door for you to bring anything up. I don't know. Should we dive into a little of my past? <laughs> sure. We got 17 minutes. You've referenced. Oh it. man, it's going so fast. It is. You've put in a great call. I'm going to tell you that. I've really enjoyed it. Um, you've referenced. You referenced. Man, it wasn't... I feel like I'm so boring. No, you're great. You're not boring at all. Believe me. There's been some boring um, ones. And well, say, there's been a couple boring ones. This father one. was a alcoholic. I mean, very, very much so an alcoholic. And some drug abuse in there, too. And uh, by the time I came around, it was at its worst. I've never met him sober a day in my life. Wow. And just some of the, you know, the memories that come along with that, those 
stupid shit he did while drunk. And then I get to hear, got to hear about it all the time from other people, even when I had nothing to do with him. He just, he kind of wrote me off as, but then complains to everybody, his pity stories that I wasn't allowed to see him and I wasn't allowed to blah, blah, blah when it was my choice. Yeah. And for a while there, my mom was kind of an alcoholic too. And I mean, she's, we're good now. Women with my mom anyway, but, uh. He just was very kind of emotionally abusive through it all just because he was drunk all the time. That sucks. Just some interesting memories that go along with that. Yeah. What jumps out? What are you talking Embarrassing, about? Embarrassing, you know? Yeah. One of my first memories as a child, and I mean like probably younger than most people remember things was being reaching for him because he was arguing and I don't remember who he was arguing with and he was yelling and I wanted him to hold me and he picked me up and said I never wanted this bitch anyway and he threw me like onto the bed Jesus and it's just kind of one of those things you know that like what what is that supposed to mean you know as you get older like you can't take that back yeah. Even though you were drunk and you were fucked up, but like... You said it, dude. You can't take that back. It no. still happened. I mean, that sounds like one of those things when you're a kid where you can look back on it and be like, well, that was a wrap. That was a wrap right. on that conversation yes. and, ever being uh, ever being traditional or so-called normal in any way. Yeah, pretty much. It was like, there was that point. There was the turning point in my life where I realized... <laughs> that I would be emotionally shut off for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, it's funny, you have those things when you're a kid where you're like, I wouldn't have known how to verbalize it then, but I just remember that feeling of. And then as you look back, yeah. and like I look back on some of the things that went on that were just so normal in my life, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I can't imagine someone else having to live through that. Like, I don't want anyone to have to experience those things. Yeah. Yeah. So is that the type of social work you're looking to get into? Something that would involve, like, home visits? And I think we had a call. We had a caller who... I think so. Yeah, we had a caller who did that. It was really... It sounded so hard, but it was very inspiring. I think I I listened to that one. Yeah. Well, you're playing it casual. You said you listened to all of them. Now you're trying to play it cool? I do. I've, I'm not all the way through. I'm not completely caught up right now because I started at the beginning, but then I said they got taken away from me. So I'm on like a hundred and maybe 20. Oh no, what are we on? What are you, what's the newest one? 130 I something? I don't know. We're in the 130s or 140s. That's insane. That's insane. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, it's not like I'm you sitting, I'm not sitting here counting. <laughs> trying to think. I'm on like, I'm in like 120. It's 130. One th- Harry just told me the 130th episode just came out, which is nuts. Okay, so I think I'm on 120. I think I started that one. Oh, that's awesome. Today. That means a lot. That means a lot. When I meet you guys, I go out, I do stand-up. People tell me they listen so much. I, I, it's funny. And in just a very simple way, really means a lot. Thank you. So what else? So you got your, uh, your dad, not a very together dude, said some brutal stuff that kind of never goes away. What else do I need to know? And, like, it's not even like I 
I care about it anymore, you know, like it happened so long ago and I've wrote it off as just whatever, but it's just like, how does someone live like that? And I mean, I'm in the same town he is. And I mean, like, you know, I'm from Nebraska. So like towns aren't very big around here. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows everybody in those uh, corn towns, right? If you're, yes. If you're driving around cornfields, I imagine yeah. most people know everybody's yeah. business because those are, those are small yeah. community driven places. Yep. Everyone knows everything, and then anything that happens, you get to hear about it. Yeah. Is there a part of you? I've always wondered this. I remember specifically there was a kid in my town. He was a year or two older than me, and he very clearly had it rough, and everybody in town kind of knew it. But I don't know if anybody ever stepped in. Is there any part of you that wonders, like, if everybody knew my business, how come any, how come nobody was helping me? Or did people try? Yeah. I think, yeah. I always wondered, like, why did nobody? But then, like, as I got older, I kind of realized, like, some of my friends, like, I would go, I would stay at their house all the time. And, like, yeah. I think their parents knew. So I think they were more comfortable with me staying at their house because they were like, oh, we don't want you to have to go home for that tonight. Right. But then I had other friends whose parents would be like, they're not allowed to come over because I know who her parents are. Right. Bad family. Bad. I always, I look back, that pisses me off so much. I I grew up in a town where there's a very, uh, up the hill, pretty nice reputation-wise, down the hill, not as nice, you know? Still a good town. Yeah. And so you were labeled as this kid that was a bad kid because you were from that. A little less trustworthy. And in specific, I remember I had, uh, I had this one friend who, uh, Pretty similar. Alcoholic dad. His his, his brother was uh, always getting into trouble with the law. And this kid was one of the smartest, nicest people I ever met. But man, I look back and realize he did not have a chance. Any teacher, yeah. any teacher who ever heard of his brother was not was always going to just give him a side eye. And if you're a kid yep. and you got the eyes upon yep. you, you're going to start. If you're already getting judged, you might as well start acting bad because people are already reacting as yeah. if you are. Ever... Yes, I kind of went through that little phase. <laughs> you did? How did you act out? I was actually drinking a lot. Wow. Falling right into the same and trap. Just, yes, and like once I kind of started to realize it, and it's really weird because like even now, like I will go out with all my friends and stuff, but I'm the sober driver. I make sure everybody gets home. I, a good ass time. I will do. I do all the things that everyone else has to do. Drunk. I do sober. So everyone's always like, "No, she's down. She's down to chill. We're fine." And she'll drive us all home. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, now I just I'm not. When I do drink, I don't. You don't want to stop. You want to. It shuts things off. But then it all just slams back into you the next day. Yeah. Sounds like something that you do sparingly, huh? Yes. Every once in a while. I'm not opposed to it. I, I'm in control. I'm in control of it all. That's good. I, t- I had, my parents never drank and they actually, my, my mom's father had, it was a, my mom's whole family, I think she would be the first to tell you she saw a lot of stuff. So she never kept alcohol in our house. And that's, that's one of the greatest gifts she ever gave me. I never saw, I never saw either of my parents have a drink until after I had moved out of their house. Like they, they made wow. sure, yeah. They made sure that I didn't have to put up with any of the things that my mom had to put up with. And uh, when I was drinking in college, I recognized my own behavior in some of the the extended family, and I said, 
I love those people to death yeah. and I wish them well, but I'm falling into the same trap and I think I'm going to step away from this. Because you are sober now, correct? Yeah, for many years, many years. Yes, yes, okay. And I mean, and what are your like specific reason to stay that way? Do you have, I mean, is there like a specific story that makes you be like, um, I can't do that anymore? So like, many. What made you decide to jump on that sober boat? I told a, probably the worst, I told it in my HBO special, the main one, uh, involving me putting on a Batman mask and rampaging around New Brunswick, New Jersey. That was the big one. But also, I just talked to a friend of mine who I grew up with. Who he, He's one of the few people still in my life who's ever seen me drunk. And he was like, you know, the thing about you drinking was I never saw you drunk. I only saw you drunk. Like you'd be sober one minute and then smashing stuff the next yep. or crying the next or blacked out the next. He's like, I yep. never saw someone go from zero to 60 faster. So why do it? Why put my worst foot forward just so I'm more comfortable at a college party? Nah, no thanks. I'll just be the guy without the drink that everybody feels vaguely uncomfortable around. But I'll also know that I'm not <laughs> doing it. For- <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'm doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. No, good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I get it. I I get it. Doing my best. What else? We got seven and a half minutes. That. Seven and a half minutes. Ah. Oh, man. Well, what other questions do you have for me? Do you have any questions on anything? Um. No, I have something I would like to say to you. Okay. I'm all yours. Is that I feel like you're probably entering a phase of life, especially with your background being unstable and you always being on your own and maybe not to this day, having so much of a support system that you can lean on and bounce ideas off of people, either because, you know, people have moved away or you're just not comfortable doing it. My guess is that there's going to be many things coming up in the next few years of your life where you're going, I might be making a mistake here. I might be making a mistake here. And just as someone who uh, is 13 years older than you, but who's really rooting for you based on all the things I've heard, One thing I'd like to just put in your head is you're allowed to make those mistakes. Sometimes it's better to make those mistakes and deal with the aftermath than avoid those mistakes and wonder what would have happened if you ever, you know, left Nebraska and came and saw New York. Yeah, that's, I'm, yeah, (laughs) I am trying to just do experiences. I want experiences, whether they're stupid or someone else thinks they're stupid or I'm being stupid. I think those experiences are something everyone needs. Those are the we best all ones. Experience some shit. Those Even are the if it best seems like a good ones. idea at the time. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear you say that. I, I, I really do. One of the things that I, it always gets me mad, it always gets me mad is hearing about people whose parents fucked up their childhood. It's not fair. It's not fair. And I had too many, uh, too many people in my life growing up where I saw that. And it is that thing of like, you got to make mistakes. And some of my fondest memories turns out relate to some of the biggest mistakes I ever made. And in the moment they yeah. were, in the moment they were scary, and soul crushing, and full of regret. And now I got like a decade of distance from them, and I'm like, oh my god, thank God, thank God, I did all the dumb shit I needed to do to figure out who I was. <laughs> yeah. Well, another thing, a lot of people they're like, oh, I'm gonna go down this road because that's how my parents were, and that's how I grew up. And I'm thinking, so like I looked at it as like I don't want to be that person. And I don't want to give anyone else a life like that. Yeah. 
what's the uh you said you said that uh some other parent you know that some of the people in town were like oh i know what family she's from any uh yeah got any like you remember any parents or teachers who really did you dirty on that where you're like that's not okay you can't treat kids like that i'm gonna become a social worker i had friends who i wasn't allowed to come to their birthday parties because they knew who my my so the whole class would be there but me Ah, and like as a little like eight-year-old that was traumatizing of course the judgment <laughs> like the, all my friends are gonna go and i don't <laughs> the judgment i feel like for for people like me I'm, I'm pushing 40 now i feel like for the rest of us it's like uh i'll never forget there was a kid who had real problems in my neighborhood real problems this kid this kid came from a rough rough background rough family and uh I'll never forget. People used to avoid them. And when I, I look back, my mom, my little mom, who never has, a, she never, that lady never, you never hear her argue with anybody, never hear her express an opinion. I remember one day she, uh, it was raining and she drove me to school. We used to walk, but she drove me and uh, we passed this kid and he was walking in the rain without an umbrella. She stopped and picked him up and uh, all the other kids in the car she was driving, we all went quiet. And then after school, she was like, uh, every, you know, everybody was uh, so quiet when we picked that kid up. And I was like, yeah, he's just, uh, you know, I was in seventh grade or something. He's a weird kid. He's a weird kid. I don't know. He's like, and my mom was like, you know, those are the kids you got to take care of the most. Those are the kids you got to look out for. You don't know what they're going through. No. And when you're a kid, you kind of sense it. You kind of sense it. And I think, uh, I think, I think we got to do a better job. The next generation of going, well, the kids we got to, uh, you can't demonize yeah. you can't it always i always think this of like you can't judge people for the things they don't control you know somebody yes, does you dirty exactly somebody does you dirty then by all means i can hold a grudge like a motherfucker man if somebody does you dirty. But you, can't, <laughs> it, you can't you can't there's certain things in life that are just out of people's control they're not based in actions they're not based in choices and most people yeah. you got to uh got to look out for them the hardest yeah gotta. especially as a stable white dude i feel like that's about the best i can do <laughs> yeah. in society is at least remember that even if i was the underdog as a kid i am not anymore but it's my job to root for and defend the underdogs and you my friend are an underdog and i'm rooting for you so hard i your show i mean just the idea of what you do and just talking to people is just wild. Like, you have a big heart. Well, people say that sometimes, and it's nice, but here's my counter-argument, is it speaks a little bit maybe to the sad state of the world if talking to someone feels wild, you know? Maybe that tells us a little too much about uh, how much we look at our phones all day and how closed off we're I becoming know. and how... how uh, how there are people in positions of power who really have a vested interest in making sure that we're all divided and angry at each other. And that goes for people on all yeah. sides. That goes for people on all sides. And uh, I would like to think that it's not wild at all and not notable at all. And this show has one of the more boring premises, actually. But I thank you for the kind words regardless. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. We got one minute I think we left. All need... Oh, shit, man. I feel, oh, 
I hope I didn't waste your time. I'm so afraid I wasted your time. This is one of my favorite calls ever, actually, and I even typed that on the computer <laughs> screen to Jared and Harry. I said, I am digging <laughs> this call. And you know what? I don't know if it was Harry or Jared. You know what they wrote back? Me too. Oh, man. I have so I have so many more interesting things I feel like I could have shared. Look at that. You got Jared to say he likes the call. And as everybody who listens knows, he's a very, very stern and angry man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, at least I have that going for me. You're doing great. I hope it continues. I hope you feel good with your choices. I hope that you continue to explore your life and I hope you uh help move I hope you move on from the pain and use this new awakening to figure out who you really are. All right. Thank you for being you. Thanks for listening. Caller, thank you so much for calling. You know, you expressed over and over again that you felt like it was uh, boring and, and whatnot. And I would say, let that go. That was a great call. And uh, I really, like I said, I am just hoping the best for you. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Harry Nelson holding it down in the booth. Thank you, Justin Linville, for everything. I don't know if Justin knows that I thank him now. Um, I doubt he he does. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the music. It is so much appreciated. Go to chrisgeth.com right now. I'm always on the road, always doing cities. Go check it out. Come out to the shows. Say hi. If you want to help the show, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. really does help. That's all the business. We'll see you next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. I am very aware of how difficult I find to be open and honest with people. Like, I can only do this now because of the anonymity of it. I plan on telling literally no one that I was on this podcast. <laughs> so apologies for the lack of publicity. But <laughs> I can only do this from a very established point of this is anonymous. I've intentionally given very few details about myself. Right. In about 20 minutes, you're just going to sprint that way Absolutely. and never have to think about this again. Oh, blimey. Do we still have 20 minutes? 20 minutes, yes. That's, no, that's a good thing. I was worried that we were at like minute 57, so that's why I was saying everything <laughs> in very small snippets. I was like, oh no, because I'm going to get to the middle of like an emotional sentence and the buzzer's going to go. No, it's, it is something that... Um, I do intentionally try now to be more open and emotionally honest with people, specifically to spite that kind of nature in myself. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.